You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's the Bomber Brothers Podcast with Ryan and Sean Chichester. Swung on and driven to deep left. For the line, she is gone. Aaron Judge, line one right down the line. Swung on and line to right center field. It is a base hit. Grounding third, scoring kind of from left off. And the Yankees win the ball game with two in the bottom of the ninth. Hit in the air to left center, it is high. It is far, it is gone. It's a grand slam. Oh, a Stantonian home run. Talking all things Yankees baseball. Okay, everybody. We're joined now by a very special guest, Randy Wilkins. He is the director of The Captain, the seven-part documentary series on Derek Jeter, which comes out July 18th on ESPN. Sean and I were able to see part one at the Tribeca Film Festival. It was incredible, and we can't wait for the rest of it. Randy, thanks so much for coming on and talking about the captain with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. I I guess just for me, who grew up idolizing Derek Jeter like you and so many other people did, I was so aware of how well-documented his life and career has already been. He was in the New York spotlight for two decades, and it almost felt like every monumental part of his life and career was pretty well known because he was on such a famous franchise and is such a famous face of the game. So I guess for you as the director, how challenging was it to kind of tackle this project and and try to bring a new lens onto Derek considering how well known he is? Um, I think there were some challenges that came along with it, but I think, the one advantage we had in telling the story is that Derek was willing to be open um, about things that he wasn't really open with in the past. So um, he was prepared to open up a little bit to the public and um, let people learn about him beyond just like his career accomplishments and his career as a Yankee. So I knew going into it that this was going to be a different depiction of Derek because he was willing to share himself with the world. And as we all know, that wasn't something that he was comfortable doing um, as a Yankee for 20 years. So, um, yeah, I mean, there were, there were some challenges, but the, the big thing is that he was going to be speaking about it and speaking about it candidly. So when you hear from the man himself, that automatically changes the um, complexion of the project and, immediately makes it stand out from all the things that uh, people have, have done to chronicle his career and his life up until this point. You talked with Derek for 30 plus hours on this project. And I think one of the things that also stands out about Jeter through his career is that he was just, you know, so obsessively focused on winning the next one. And as soon as he won one world series, it was on to next year. Did you kind of get the sense all these years later now talking with him for so long that maybe he's able to look back and reflect and most importantly, appreciate what he was able to accomplish and what his Yankee teams were able to accomplish. Cause I think even he himself has admitted that he didn't really 
get to enjoy it as much in the moment because he was so hyper focused on winning. Do you do you feel like that's changed at all now that he's so far removed from his playing career? I think it has. I think it started with the Hall of Fame because he didn't really have a choice but to look back on his career. You know, you know, such a great honor forces you to look back at your accomplishments so you understand how you got to that point. So I think that the Hall of Fame is a big inflection point for Derek on a personal level. Um, I think that put him in a position where, you know, in thanking people that helped him get there, you, you can't do anything but look back. You know what I mean? Like as, as an athlete, you can't get greater than a hall, being a Hall of Famer. So I think that that's when that process started for him. And I honestly think doing this project has made him do that as well. You know, the reason why he wanted to make this film in the first place is, you know, the Hall of Fame kind of made him realize that his daughters weren't around when he had uh, his Yankees career. And he wanted something to document and chronicle his life and career prior to them being in his life. So I think in doing this and, you know, you're I'm asking him a million questions. He's sitting in the chair forever. And the only thing he's doing is talking about himself and like his career and his life. You know, I think that in going through that process and then looking at the cuts and looking at the episodes, I think he really started to realize the impact that he had on his team, on the city, on fans, and also how the franchise had an impact on him and how fans had an impact on him and, um, you know, how it was this mutual relationship on so many different levels. I think he can begin to accomplish, I mean, uh, begin to appreciate what he went through. But I also think it's just his nature not to be the center of attention. I think that there's just a part of him that won't allow him to see him as a star or someone that, you know, was at this like level for so long. So I think he's doing it, but I, I don't think it's, I don't think he'll ever get to the point where he'll fully embrace um, what he's done. You know, Randy, you mentioned, you know, how Derek meant so much to all Yankee fans. And I, I know, you know, you're, you're a Yankee fan. And I'm just curious, like go, before this project started, what did Derek Jeter mean to you? And how did that, um, how did that meaning of, of Derek evolve while you were working on the project with him? Yeah. I mean, he was a source of joy for me. I mean, you know, I, his career started when I was in high school. So in like very important years of my life, it felt like Derek Jeter was there every single day. You know what I mean? And it was like, I know he said this like multiple times, but I think it's true. And I think it's true for you guys as well. Like we grew up together. Like we grew up with Derek, Derek grew up with us and, you know, you evolve into these adults and there was like this one constant in our lives and that was Derek Jeter. So I think um, there was a comfort with that. I think that, you know, somebody in a very like odd and indirect way or somebody you could like depend on, even though you didn't know him or like interact with him. And I think now, I mean, I just, I mean, I look at him as a friend, which is like so crazy to say, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's like remarkable to say that um, at this stage of my life, but I, you know, I, I think we're cool. You know what I mean? Like we're cool with each other. And the thing that I'm like so honored by is that he entrusted me with telling his story. You know, as, as we get into the film, it's very clear that loyalty and trust are very important uh, values to him. And he has a very small circle and he has a very small circle for numerous reasons. And I think to kind of break through that and, and be a part of that, you know, as virtually a stranger from two years ago, um, it's pretty dope. So 
Uh, I'm very proud of that. And I think that that's kind of like where that, that evolution is going. Uh, that actually dovetails just beautifully into my next question. I, I was going to say Jeter's obviously famously guarded. We touched on it before. Um, and I'm sure collaborating on a project like this requires trust between the director and the subject. How do you go about establishing that trust and familiar, familiarity with Derek? Um, I think you have to be your authentic self. You know, you can't really hide who you are. I think you have to be honest. I think that you have to be authentic. And I don't think that that's true just dealing with Derek. I think that that's true in life. You know, uh, I'm presenting my authentic self right now with you guys. So I think when someone can pick up on the vibes that you're being yourself, this is who you are, you're confident in yourself, um, you're not putting up a front, you're not going out of your way to... Um, act differently because they have a certain stature in the world and you treat them as a human being, you view them as a human being and you interact with them that way and not interact with them as a star. I think they pick up on that and they feel that it's genuine and allows a trust and a rapport to build because they're, they realize that you, you don't have an ulterior motive. You're not trying to get something out of them. You're not trying to like use them for something. Um, and I think that goes a long way in building trust and letting someone know that you're there for quote unquote, the right reasons, you know? And um, I think that that matters, especially with someone like Derek, who has come across a lot of people that I'm sure have tried to take advantage of him or use his stature to their benefit. I have no interest in that, whether I was doing this film or not, like that's not who I am as a person. So um, I think that had a lot to do with us building that trust. Very cool. Um, on an episode recently of uh, Desus and Mero, uh, I believe are in the documentary, um, which is cool. And I know you directed a commercial for, with them, right? Yeah. Um, but Jeter commented that Yankee fans watch every single day and we're all Yankee fans. We all definitely do that. How do you approach capturing who Derek Jeter was for non-Yankee fans or even non-baseball fans who weren't as fortunate as we all were to, to take it all in every day and really kind of communicate what that long and, and day in and day out um, process was like? I think the first thing is that you have to go into it being mindful that there are people who are not Yankees fans or baseball fans. You know, I think if you went into it thinking that this was just for Yankees fans, you're limiting yourself and you're not creating opportunities for people to feel involved in it. So for us, um, it was very important that we struck a balance where Yankees fans who were very familiar with these things would be engaged and like learn things that they might not have known, but also making it accessible to people that either don't like the Yankees, don't know about the Yankees like that, don't know baseball, don't really follow baseball, where they're brought in. So I think a lot of it is just creating a drama and attention with the baseball-related stuff so that it's engaging. You know, you guys saw the first episode in, like, the 95 ALDS. Like, there might be people that have no idea who the Seattle Mariners are. You know what I mean? But, like, I think we did it in a way where you can get that it's competitive and there are highs and lows and they're, you know – this like great run of incredible positive emotion. And then all of a sudden there's like a collapse, you know what I mean? So I think in the way that we presented the baseball, we treated it like, like dramatic moments in a script or like emotional beats in a script so that people can be engaged with the emotion and don't feel like they have to know the ins and outs of baseball or Yankee history, you know, it's drama and tension and conflict and ups and downs and people get that intrinsically. So that's the way that we approached it. And like you mentioned, you're you're a fan. You grew up just like us, idolizing Derek and idolizing the Yankees. So 
does that personal experience as a fan help shape this documentary at all? Was there any challenges of trying to, or were there times where you felt like you had to put your fandom to the side as an objective interviewer? Just what was that experience like as a fan documenting the life of arguably the most famous player in the history of your favorite team? Oh, I put my fandom to the side right when I knew I got the gig. You know, my responsibility first to this is to be a storyteller, you know, and and I have a very um, strict and clear uh, set of values and intents as a filmmaker, you know, regardless of whatever story I'm telling. So for me, uh, if I'm doing a documentary, I want everybody to be able to speak their truth, whether it's critical of the subject or supportive of the subject, like. I want people to share their perspectives and their view of things the way that they see it. Like, I'm not trying to tip the scales. I don't want my fandom to get in the way. And I certainly don't want my fandom to get in the way in, in the way that the story is told. So, I mean, there's seven episodes. There are multiple points in the film where Derek is criticized on camera, you know, and like Derek kind of has to not defend himself, but engage with criticism that's thrown his way. And it's, and it happens in multiple ways. It's both on the field and off the field. So the fandom has nothing to do with it other than informing me about important moments in his career, important moments uh, with the Yankees. I think it was more of a, an asset in terms of like research and building out like a story structure, but I always believe that footage is, is queen. So wherever the footage is going, that's the story we're going to tell. So within that footage, I have to make sure that I'm as objective as possible. You know, I'm not like rooting for Derek in the film. I'm not like rooting for the Yankees in the film. That happens when we're watching the games. So it's two different arenas and, and I respect that. And that's how I approach it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You also mentioned in the Q&A after the Tribeca premiere that you also weren't out for any kind of like, you know, gotcha questions when it came to Jeter. And obviously we've, as more of the documentary series has been shown, there've been clips of Jeter talking about his rift with A-Rod and things like that. But aside from those parts, when you were talking with Derek, was there any other maybe unexpected points of his life and career that you noticed he was maybe surprised that he maybe wasn't thrilled with talking about or something like a a memory of his career that maybe was more difficult for him to talk about than he might have initially thought as as you said he was willing to open up for this documentary and give a more unfiltered look and you talked to him for so many hours Were, were there any moments where you felt that maybe he was you know surprised by whatever emotions might have been brought up by talking about a moment in his life uh, yeah, I think, um, at one point I asked him what his worldview was and how did his upbringing as a biracial black man kind of influence that and how it influenced the way that he wanted to be seen on the field and off the field. And I think that that was a moment where he really didn't connect the two things prior to me asking him, you know, I think, 
he lives his life. And it's true for all of us. You know, we live our lives a particular way, but we don't necessarily like step out and have this like larger view of how we're going about our business or how we look at things or how we interact with things. So as someone that was observing him because I had to, I think asking him that question threw him off because he doesn't have to think about it. You know what I mean? It's just like, this is how I live my life. This is how I go about my business. So I think that that was one moment where I wouldn't say he was stumped, but I think he had to like really think about the connection. I think he realized that 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 was the case. And even then, I think he had a difficult time reconciling the two to a point where he could like succinctly make the connection and articulate it. Um, I think that there are moments that happen in his career that he is very clearly not over. Like he's not over losing the 01 World Series. He's not over losing to the Red Sox in 04. Um, And I think that they're like, the emotions are still like very raw to him. Um, He's not a super emotional guy. So he's not going to like be crying and like all demonstrative. That's just not his nature. But you could tell that like some of those losses like really, really gnawed at him and like he didn't forget them. He won't forget them. And it has like a very specific like impact on how he feels about things. So that's like one thing that's, off the field that I think he showed emotion and was and like was really raw. I mean, he was he was obviously open and candid. And then there's like one on the field or two on the field things that were like it really was clear that he felt a certain way about how things went down. Yeah, oh one and oh four hurt hurt terrible terrible terrible. He didn't even want to talk about it at one point. I was like, nah, man, we gotta talk about it. We gotta keep going. <laughs> I go back and forth, like wondering if I could have undone one of them and, and which one would it have been. I always I always wonder that in my head. But which which one? You know, I would probably say actually I would I would win in 01. I know the 04 thing was against the Red Sox, but to have four in a row with that group who you know we all grew up watching and like Tino Martinez was, was my yeah. guy too. So to get Tino an extra one that would have been that would have been cool. And um I'll probably lose my Yankee fandom card for saying this, but there was something relatively poetic about how the Red Sox broke the curse mm-hmm. and having Red Sox family members, I saw how much that meant to them. Yeah. Um so uh, I'll probably not be allowed back in Yankee Stadium for saying. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'll take 01 if I if I could choose. What about you? I would take 04. Yeah. I think uh the thing about 01 to me is that they did so much for the city just by going on yeah. that run that like that's the one where that's the one World Series where I'm like okay, they didn't win. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really have a visceral reaction to it. I'm just appreciative that they went on that run. And, like, there are memories mm-hmm. that are so, like, vivid in all of our minds that I appreciate. You know, so it felt like because of what was going on in the world that it was okay. Because it really wasn't about winning a title. It was about, like, helping the city and, like, distracting the city and inspiring the city. 04 is just terrible. Like, yeah. I mean awful like who they lost to how they lost they should have won like eight different times and to like see the like pitching matchups just like go in the like wrong direction <laughs> as the series went on it was just that was embarrassing terrible I, yeah not nah, 04 that i would change that one sense um actually you know like like you said like oh one has so many good memories go back and even still watch that world series dvd even though you know it, it has the or vhs at the time even though it has has the bad ending but 
Um, you know, in, in some of the other work that you did in 86 to 32, um, you employ the use of animation. The Last Dance, which was produced by the same team, obviously with different director, uses a very unique time structure and how they tell the story. And only watching the first episode, it seems like a straightforward format. Did you consider playing around with any sort of more unique um, storytelling ideas or did you just keep it straightforward? Nah, straightforward because, I mean, at its core is a guy who never talked to the public candidly before speaking candidly with the public. And if you do things that like distract from that very core tenant of the film, then you're kind of like giving everybody a disservice. You know, like, I don't want to distract people. Uh, I don't want to jump around in time so that you, you're potentially thinking about like the time jumps and where we are in the timeline. You have to like kind of reorient yourself when really you just want to hear from Derek. You know what I mean? And sometimes as a filmmaker, I think you can do too much to kind of spice things up when it's not necessary. Like people are here to interact with Derek. They're not here to interact with me and like see me show off, you know, and like use like different uh, approaches to tell a story. I think that's appropriate um, for different stories and films. But for this one at its core, it's Derek opening up and you want people to just sit there and engage with him. You know what I mean? So like, that's why we have the consistent blue background. Like we just wanted to minimize things so that the focus is always on what he's saying, what people are saying about him, what they're saying about the Yankees, what they're saying about the world. We didn't want to do things to take away from that because it's really the rare opportunity where Derek is candid and vulnerable with the public. And I feel like that should be the star of the show, not me like showing off like different structures of how to tell a story. So um, you've told the story of Derek Jeter now, which is going to come out in the captain premiering after the home run derby. Um, it's still on Vimeo. I believe the Roy Jones jr. Story that you tell in 86 32 about the Olympic robbery. Um, is there any other athlete story that you would be interested in, in, in telling? Uh, Lewis Hamilton. You know, he, uh, I think he has a remarkable story. I think the rise of F1 on a global uh, scale makes it a very um, engaging story. And I think a lot of people would be interested in it. Um, but yeah, Lewis Hamilton would definitely uh, be one of those people on that list. I don't want to, I don't want to make sports films for the rest of my life either. You know, like there's things that I'd like to talk about and delve into that have nothing to do with sports. I mean, I'm appreciative of telling this story and um, telling Roy's story. And I'm sure I'll tell a couple more sports related stories, but I try to tell the stories that can go beyond sports, you know? So it's not just like a, a recollection of like these great sports moments and we're just reliving them and that's it. Like they have to have some depth to it and kind of like some expansiveness to make it worth my while. Um, but I think someone like Lewis Hamilton uh, would accomplish that. So yeah, he's, he's one that comes to mind. All right. One more for you, Randy. I think, I feel like the, legacy or the perception of Derek Jeter is so established from his career. You know, he's the ultimate competitor. He has ice in his veins, always says the right things, has been, you know, insanely driven since he was a kid, thanks to a great upbringing from his parents, all these well-known things. But after talking to him, how is how has, if at all, your perception of of Derek changed now that you have a different relationship with him. It's not as much fan and idol. Like you said, it's, he's a friend. So how has your perception changed? 
Um, it's just a realization that he's a really complex guy. He's a nuanced guy. Like there's, I know that the perception is that he's vanilla or he's one note. Um, and that's what happens when you intentionally like protect yourself from the public, but he's a really complex guy, you know, and there's a, there's a lot going on with him. He's very perceptive, incredibly intelligent, um, very aware of things. Uh, he's just a really compelling person. You know what I mean? And, and part of me, part of me is happy that he went about doing uh, or handling the media the way he did, because I benefit from it in all honesty, by telling the story. I mean, you know, you're providing something that people have never really seen before, a side of Derek that you haven't seen before. But in all honesty, as a Yankees fan, as a baseball fan, as someone who is an admirer of great talents, regardless of whatever industry they're in, a part of me does wish that he was able to share that a little bit more with the world and that it didn't take all this time for him to do that because I, I, I think he's remarkable in so many ways and he has impacted so many people and inspired so many people. But I think um, he could have challenged people more in how they treat others and how they view the world if he opened up a little bit more. And I totally respect and understand why he did it. But I just have so much like respect and, and um, reverence for the type of person that he is that I think people, I mean, people would just be in awe of him regardless of their fandom or, um, you know, how they viewed the Yankees. He's, he just has so much to offer and, and to be around him and to see that um, was a privilege. But I, I think, you know, we we did our best to balance it out too. You know, a lot of the things that make him who he is are some of the, the, the low points in his life and the challenges and conflicts that he has, you know, and he's not perfect. We don't present him as perfect. You know, it's, uh, you know, I think it's an honest depiction of who he is, but through that, I think so many people can pick up on things and, and learn from it. And, and he's learned from it, I believe. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, he's just a, a really complex, impactful guy, you know, and, and I think if you meet him, you walk away a little different, you know, like you can tell that you're around somebody that has uh, presence. So, and that presence is made up by a lot of different things. And I think we capture that in the, uh, in the film. And we can't wait to learn more about him when the captain premieres on July 18th after the home run derby. Randy, thank you so much. All the best success to the documentary. Really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.